Hi, and welcome to The Prototype. I'm your host, Coulter Wilson. In the news, we hear a lot about the economy. People out of work, unemployment numbers, cells in the toilet. Well, today's story is about jobs, but it doesn't have to do with the economy. Today, we are talking about faking it. In Salt Lake City, there's a thriving film industry, and actors fake it all the time. Well, today, listeners, we are going to talk to someone who takes faking it to a different place. Normally, you would think an actor would act or fake it on stage or in film. But today, we're going to be talking with... My name is Mike Christian. Well, the other day I was in the neighborhood and I stopped by his place. And here's the story he had to tell me. I had a scholarship to the College of Eastern Utah after the Dean of Students at the time, Brad King, who's now in the state legislature, came down. He saw he was one of the judges for Region. He was judging the one-act plays, and he said, who wants... A scholarship to come to College of Eastern Utah, and whoever raised their hand had had uh, had a pass. <laughs> so without checking any grades or hey, even I got to go to college. Mom was so proud. You know, I did Shakespeare and plays of the '50s. Learned phonetics and uh, control of voice and the technical, the more technical side of it, but still with the same amount of you know drinking. Then I started uh, caring less and less about school. Uh, and uh, more and more about acting. And then I have a bit of a falling out with the director at the time. Uh, purely, you know, now, looking back on it now, it's, it's clear that I was just a young and arrogant asshole. <laughs> but uh, at the time, boy, he offended me. So I ended up leaving school with no degree and some, some new, fresh new student loan debt to come back to Salt Lake to do film with my friend Charlie. Not a lot happened because you don't always have, uh, you know, people with my look coming through. So uh, I sat on the bench for a good while, and then I ended up getting a role in a movie called Baptist Center Barbecue that was my first film, and it was great fun. I thought it was awesome. Uh, a lot of the more seasoned actors thought that the set was. Uh, amateurish and you know that they weren't being properly taken care of but I was just happy to be acting again it had been so long since uh, since I'd done it in college so it was good to be back in it and I kind of had a little I had a thing there where I did you know a film or some sort of project every few months and of course uh, again I had moved into a house that was full of people who were just steeped in film so uh, that's that's what we did all the time was think about movies and do our best to make them. Usually the, it's the same role for me, it's got to be the Indian guy uh, one way or another. I don't have any specific look for Indians, they just, you know, people recognize me as an Indian so nobody's, nobody except another Indian is going to say, oh he's not Sioux or Navajo or whatever, whatever have you. <laughs> so uh, that works out good, that's usually the role I end up playing. I never get like, you know, Jack Slade, <laughs> ex-army badass, you know, I'm looking for that. Who wants to make me a priest or a teacher? Let's do it. I felt like uh, 
After I, when I did Passage to Zarahemla, I felt like I didn't get the same shake as the other guys in the cast. They were getting 250, I was getting 100, but we were in similar roles. I felt like that was my agent's fault. And also I'd had uh, you know, a total of maybe 14 auditions or something since I'd been with them for like two years or so. I was like, come on, you know, how many roles do I get? I've already had three movies with you guys out of 14 auditions. Uh, statistically, you're supposed to fail for like 60 auditions before you get anything. And, and I kind of hit it right out the door. And I just I didn't think they were doing a good enough job. So I fired them. And all of the stuff that happened after that has just been people I've worked with before or have seen me in other parts uh, or through you know friends who are, who are also like, hey, you can come up and do this. Those are, the, those are how I got uh, my parts over the last few years. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Lucas got me, got me the job at the hospital. We were both living uh, at uh, the House of Rock at the time. And uh, just a dirty party house for those of you who don't know. <laughs> and uh, he came home and he was telling us how he discovered a job. I can't remember what he was doing at the U, but in like the bathroom or something was one of those pieces of paper with the phone numbers at the bottom that are, you know, you just tear the phone number off. And it was for standardized patient work at the university, you know. And uh, Ryan was like, well, that's perfect, because he's also an actor. And he's like, well, that's, that's going to be fun, you know. And of course, everyone thinks Seinfeld, like, right away, when, when Kramer had the job. And Ryan is perfect for it. <laughs> so, so it works out good. Good. Now, the reason we're stopping here is we have to meet the other character in our story. R-Y-A-N-D-A-N-G-E-R-L-U-C-A-S. Ryan Danger Lucas. Now, Ryan, he assures me he did not find the phone number on the wall of a bathroom. So let's hear. I started acting in about sixth grade. A uh, teacher of mine once called me a thespian, and I took great offense, and so... She decided to try to teach me what a thespian was. Yeah, I did a lot of community theater in high school, uh, sometimes ranging as much as three plays at a time. A main stage play, a children's theater play, and possibly a high school play. And so my life was pretty much consumed by the theater. I've done some, I did a Mormon film once called uh, Baptist at our barbecue that a bunch of our friends actually got a part in. I'm pretty sure they cast everybody from our studio just because it was easier that way. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was also in uh, Salt Lake City Punk or SLC Punk, if you want to call that. That was my very first film gig ever. I was an extra uh, in the party in the background. I'm not actually in the film but I have the receipts to prove that uh, I worked that day, so I don't care what you say, Mike, Christian. I was in the movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, just a bunch of other uh, short little Disney films, stuff like that. A lot of background work, not a lot of talking, but that's where we got our experience was from the local filmmakers that actually gave us roles. I once played a uh, mortician with Bell's palsy, so half of my face had to be taped and frozen the entire time I was talking. Um, I played a lovesick boyfriend in the middle of some weird triangle, a bunch of crazy stuff. I played a thief once, got robbed, uh, I played a cocaine junkie, 
And uh, a lot of that actually stems uh, from my experience with the hospital, um, where I got a job once uh, from a flyer. I found a flyer up at the University of Utah. A buddy of mine, uh, <clears throat> a buddy of mine was going to the school of theater up at the university at the time. I went and saw a black box show of his. And out there on the uh, bulletin board was a flyer with one of the little numbers at the bottom. I wasn't in the bathroom, I was, it was intermission. I saw this flyer. And so I took the flyer, the whole thing, because I didn't, you know, if there's a good opportunity for somebody to, you know. Well, I guess I should tell you what was on the flyer. I saw the flyer, and um, on it it said, hospital patients needed $10 an hour. And there was a number, and so being jealous, I just took the whole flyer, so I didn't want competition. Called it up and actually uh, interviewed and got a job playing sick for medical students. The point of it all is to get the students to work on their communication skills with actual people, not just their peers, because actual people are actual people, and they vary very differently. And so they give us these cases that we have to study. Uh, it's about a three to five page long history of the patient and your illness and you kind of improv it it's structured improv is all it is and so through that i knew that we had a lot of actor friends uh in the community so i've gotten a lot of my friends involved up to the up at the hospital uh helping teach these medical students and now nine years later the standardized patient program is a required class nationwide for uh every medical student from first year all the way through residency. Yes, we do get a script. We get uh, some some cases. All, all the cases are different. You know, they have different diseases. Um, sometimes it's older people that you'll see there. They're doing things for arthritis or things like, you know, high, hypertension, high blood pressure, or osteoporosis. And then uh, there's the, the younger cases that are, you know, blood in the urine or, you know, something like that, passing a stone, you know, things that, that the younger people will, will come in for. And then you have physicals, and those are just the bodies. You come in, poke, prod, make sure you take out the little hammer and whack them, look in the eye, look in the ear, make, did you wash your hands first, you know? So there's a... Uh, and that, and that draws from like all walks of life. There's a lot of funny people that you end up meeting in these things. Uh, well, it'll, the new ones, the way, the way they've been rewritten, they'll start with um, an introduction that is the entire case, just like one paragraph. This is exactly what happens, the truth. And then it'll break it down into another section where they tell you how they want the truth to come out. And you may have to, you may want, want to be not forthcoming about your medication because you didn't finish it. You didn't do it properly. So now you need to see this doctor and you just want to get your meds filled, but you don't want to answer. Yeah, well, I haven't been taking them as regularly as I should because people do lie to their doctors from time to time and they want to. They want to make sure the students have an idea of what it is to drag out a history from a patient and make sure that, they, to the best of their knowledge, they have the whole story. So you go through that part. And then there's kind of an end section where they tell you about, uh, like, a personal touch. They want you to 
you know, are you suffering from some sort of anxiety from this? How is it affecting the home life? Is this, you know, affecting your work or things like that? So there's also like a personal section that they need to get to as well to know the patient, not just the disease. And uh, so they have things that are set up for that as well. You know, do you want to tell them about not being able to sleep and, uh, you know, in the, in the night, waking up at night, worried at work, having a hard time focusing on, on the task at hand, losing interest in what you're doing, things like that. We would do these classes in, the, uh, in these classrooms, basically. I mean, it was just one big table, and there were about seven student doctors and one real doctor in the room judging them. Uh, so it was a little bit more like live theater, live performance for the uh, students. But however, since it has become such a popular and well required program throughout the uh, nation, and since the University of Utah were basically pioneers of the standardized patient program, we received a very large grant and were allowed our own clinical setting area uh, in the uh, School of Medicine. And so when you walk in, it's a multi-million dollar facility. Uh, there's a big control panel like in Big Brother with two giant TV screens with lots of little TV screens of each room that's what's going on. There's audio. So everywhere you go, there's always a camera on you, except it's an actual clinical setting. So it looks like when you go into the doctor, there's a bed, there's you know blood pressure cuff, everything sink, everything, except and also a camera watching you uh, and so it's pretty interesting you always have to watch where you're changing your clothes stuff like that but for the most part they feed you they pay you well and I've met some really interesting doctors throughout the ages and let me tell you sometimes <laughs> it's sometimes I'm really glad to know so many doctors but sometimes I'm afraid that some of these people will actually become doctors well, one of the biggest bonuses is that uh, not only do they pay you and you get a lot of experience talking to doctors, student doctors, and learning a great deal about the medical profession, is that sometimes they have taco bar or baked potato bar. That's right, they, they'll feed you. Um, and it's hospital food, but it's free and bountiful. But one thing I don't get is why they feed you so much taco bar and then sit you in a room for like three hours with one other person. I just, I never understand it because I'm always having a gurgly stomach and sometimes it stinks. Sometimes it stinks. We're paid well. And, uh, you know, sometimes they feed us, which is awesome. Had the taco bar just last week. Taco bar is delicious. <laughs> Well, that's the end of today's story. You can find us at www.prototypeproduction.net. You can also find us on iTunes under the podcast directory. And as for Mike and Ryan, I'm sure you'll see them at the taco bar. This is The Prototype.